0: Welcome to the Antioch Community Church Podcast. We are a church located in the downtown Birmingham area where we desire to be with and like Jesus and help others do the same for the glory of God. We hope today's message encourages and challenges you. Presence, pleasures forevermore. And I resisted the temptation to start everything, like the entire line you're starting with words that start with P. I, I just, for me, I feel like I, I deserve a preaching award just for that. It was a really difficult decision, but that's not how the text presented itself. And so, thank thank you. All right. All right. We have a thumbs up from the seminary guy. I, I don't mean I want to you know, put myself in the bag, but hey. Um, starts says it's a meek tom of David. And we're not exactly sure what meek tom is. Um, Charles Spurgeon says that it's kind of traditionally um, understood that what this means is it's his golden psalm. So this is a good one. I love Psalm 16. A lot of people love Psalm 16. A lot of people love Psalm 23, and that's kind of the, the more well-known one, the one that um, Kevin preached last week. Um, but I think this is the golden psalm. As a matter of fact, I think Meek Tom roughly means better than Kevin. I just want to give him a little shout out right there as we get that. I'm looking at you, Kevin. Better than Tom? Oh, Meek Tom. Okay. I didn't get that, but that's all right. Uh, <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so David starts, by saying, preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. By the way, I'm going to go really two verses at a time, um, I'm going to give you some testimony, some explanation. Um, I want you to know the Psalms are just such a, a treasure for life. Um, as a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure that there's not a book in the Bible where I have more personal notes written than in in the Psalms. I, I routinely go to them. It, it's good, to, if, if nothing else, just to give you some prayers as um, Baptists or those in low church traditions, we don't do a lot of liturgy, uh, and, and there's strength in that, there's weakness in that, um, but one of the weaknesses is uh, we rely completely on our own thoughts for prayers. And so, um, one of the things that Psalms does is it gives us words for our emotions and the things we're going through. And Psalm 16, I have definitely some, some history with it. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, You are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. We don't know the situation. We don't know what David's going through. Um, It it could be any number of things in his life because as you know, David had many, many trials, Um, but he he doesn't linger there. He starts by saying, there's a problem in my life. And yet he's going straight to God and saying, I'm taking refuge in you because of this problem whether it's physical danger, whether it's something um, that is mainly emotional. And by the way, a lot of the physical danger is very emotional, too. He's going straight to God and saying, I'm I'm looking to you to be my refuge. You are my God. I have nothing good on this life. In, In this current life that I have, everything that I have that is good comes directly from God. Everything I have is from you, God. Because of that I'm looking to you as my source of life. I want to do something uh, different. I don't normally do this, but just to kind of get us in the, the mindset, in the framework of this song, I want you and if you're uncomfortable doing things like that, that's fine. I'm not, I'm not judging you. I understand that people ask you to speak to your neighbor next to you. It's a little awkward. And so that's fine if you want to do it. But um, for those of you who feel okay about it can you just look to someone next to you and just list something what's something good in your life what's something good in your life that you, you know it's it's from god okay here's the awkward moment go Feels good to list it out, to say this is something good that I have, and thank God that He's given me this really good thing. Like ambulance noise. Alright, that's just incredible thing. Um, so there is um a context here. We don't know exactly what's going on with him, but we know that he's taken this moment to, to really give some thanksgiving to God and recognize. Um, the, the really good things. And it goes from there and says, as for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. I was talking with, with Roger before the service and we, he was just saying that this church is filled with some really good people. All right. um, he might have mentioned Jack's name. I don't know. Um, I may have misunderstood that part of it. But um Isn't it good to be with um, the people of the Lord? Isn't it good? It's hard when you're looking for a church because you know that this is a really good thing. You know that fellowship with other people who are also following the Lord, who you click with, this is a gift. This is a gift. Community is something to be valued. And that's what he's talking about right here. The saints, um, that word saint in English has a long history where we basically think of it and we think that that's oh, the, the really awesome people, the, the great ones who are on you know, this high level that, that I will never reach. And the Bible doesn't speak of it like that. It's the people who follow the Lord. In the New Testament, uh, it, there are words that are translated saint and it's just Christian. Christians who um, love the Lord, who are sinners saved by grace And he's saying, I delight in this experience. So today, here in this church, we we, we delight in community. It's a good thing, it's a good thing. And then he he goes on to contrast that with people who are not following the Lord. Now remember, the context here is Old Testament Israel, um, as a nation, they are all given very clear promises and they're also given very clear commands and consequences for if you are not following Yahweh, if you run after other gods that are not your God. They're not the God. And, and what he's doing right here is he's reminding himself that when it comes to, to following the Lord, it's easy in this life to look around and see people uh, making gods out of other things and to think everything's great with them. Uh, sometimes we, we can even, uh, as a matter of fact, in, in Psalm 73... If you go to Psalm 73 and 3 and 4, I'm going to skip around a little bit here. But he says, I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked, for they have no pains until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. Context here, fat was a good thing, right? I Meant you weren't super hungry. All right, 16 and 17. And he, and he goes on to list all these things that seem to be going awesome he says, but when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned their, their end. Then I discerned their end. And then he goes on, verse 25. And he says, whom have I in heaven but you? And there's nothing on earth that I, des- that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. He's my, my portion forever. And so you'll um, you'll understand the, the significance of the word portion in just a minute as we get um, further on in the psalm. So those who follow after other guys, their, their sorrows will multiply. All right. I'm going to give a, an example here. We have... <coughs> Sorry about that. a a dog we love very much. Uh, She's dumb, okay? We we love our dog. She's a beautiful, um, large, um, black lab mix. She's the sweetest dog on earth. She would never hurt anyone on purpose, but she is kind of clumsy. That tail just kind of flops around, and it's dangerous, all right? and actually, I say she's dumb, she can be a genius in certain, only in ways I don't want her to be a genius, like getting out of the yard. I, I mean, she has been such a genius in the past. But then there's, there's this other thing that I'm going back and forward with her and it's been going on for years, for years. She's got this spot on the, the bottom front of her left leg and she won't leave it alone. She just licks and chews, licks and chews like like there's bacon on it. I mean, you would think this is the greatest thing on the planet. She just keeps going until it's bloody and open. And then before she's limping around everywhere. And I'm like, I can't believe you did it. This has been a wound that has not been healed for at least three years, y'all. I'm, I'm fighting this constantly, every way I can think of. I'm fighting this thing. I, I put, you know, um, you know, gauze underneath and a bandage across. She licks that off, rips it off. I put it put all the way up the leg so that when she, like, you know, licks it downward, it's still going to be, you know, at least this high and it'll be okay. And she licked it so much, so far that she cut off the circulation of her leg, and then. You know, her paw's like puffed up and now she's limping around. It's caused another problem. I bought a sleeve off the internet to put on top of it. She rips it off somehow. I bought a sleeve that goes all the way up the leg, over the shoulder, over the head, around the other side. She rips it off. And I did get a donut. Yeah, thank you. I've done that. I, who knows how many things I've tried. And she you know, licks it off uh, and, and get, rips it off and rips back into it and then she's limping around again. And and here's the thing. I think that if you could go and interview my dog in the process of causing herself pain at least she would probably go, oh, this is amazing. There's something about this thing that, that's, that feels incredible to her to chew on or lick. It's, it's just that I think she would she would tell you this is awesome right And then if you went to her and talked to her about the pain that happens later she would probably simply go oh I hate that I have this leg, this leg pain and if you you said well yeah but I mean the chewing what She would not connect the licking and the consequence right. <laughs> Do I feel like I'm, like, really emotionally invested in it? Yes. All right. right. And just so you know, right now, I've shifted to taste. All right? That's what I've finally done. I did cayenne pepper sauce. Nope. Didn't work. Um, now onto something I bought, again, off the Internet, all right, that's extremely bitter taste for them. And, um, and it, you know, it, she's not touching it at the moment. Do not think. I'm sitting here thinking, I've got it fixed. That's not what I'm saying. I'm only saying so far it's, you know, getting better. Now, whatever, she'll figure it out. So um, the illustration, man, what a great, I've known for years, this is a, a sermon illustration I'm going to use someday. Alright. So we make gods out of things. And most of the time, we would not be honest about what's actually happening. Most people, when you say uh, you're making a God out of sex and all kinds of other things are happening because you're you're ripping it out of the context in which God gave you and and then later on you wonder why there are so many issues in life. Or um, people have made a God out of career and money. And this is what uh, blows my mind. It's all throughout a culture, there's some people who've been really successful. And everyone goes to them and, and wants to hear you know, their secrets of success. And sometimes there's been, don't get me wrong, many very successful people who you know, are, live in generally wise ways. And they have a lot of really good, not just Christians, non-Christians have some, some good things to, to add about life. Um, but then there's some people that people keep going to and they want their advice for life. And I'm like, okay, they may be successful in their career, but have you looked at their personal life? Because all the people in the conversation have made a God of career. They have not connected these philosophies to all the personal tragedies that are unfolding around them. Because they've made that God out of something that wasn't meant to be God. They keep going back and licking that wound and opening up. On, On another note, I... Today, as I was thinking through how I was going to talk about my dog on my ankle, I, I got a bee sting yesterday. Really, same. All right, I, I, I feel you. Um, I started itching, and I realized, wait a minute, I'm sitting there. I wouldn't stop it. I'm like, oh no, no, I'm just like my dog. Lord, help me. But yeah, in general, it's, it's true. The way I feel about how I have to take care of Kobe so often is how God is taking care of us. We keep going back to him and thank God that he is gracious. Okay, now move on to um, five and six. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful these are some of my favorite verses in, in the Bible. Um, but you can't really understand them now, especially in the NIV, because it uses words like portion, my cup, my lot. A uh, Portion it could mean your land. It could also mean your, your food. Um, your cup, obviously, is drink, the things I, I drink, what I eat, uh, the lines is talking about the, the land that you have. This is using imagery, that goes straight back to when um, the Israelites entered the land of Canaan, and God took the twelve tribes of Jacob, you know, by tribes of Jacob, those are his his twelve sons, and he divvied up the land and gave each one of Judah. You have this this lot over here. Uh, this this tribe has this lot, and then they you know separated that according to um, family and family, and so they're they're getting all the, these. Um, these lines of inheritance and this is amazing for those of us who grew up in this city we we don't understand this quite as much what it means to have land that's inherited year after year, generation after generation and and how much if you know how to, especially back then um, if you know how to live off the land I mean, that's what most people did and so that was your constant provision is living off the land but there was one tribe that actually didn't get um, a share the Levites, they were the, um, the priest. And so God told them, you will not get a portion of the land, but I am your portion. I am your portion. And so they lived off of the tithes of the people and they served in the temple and synagogues. And they depended on God's provisions through other people. So God reminded them, I am your portion. I am this is repeated many times um, as they are giving their, their given their orders. What a great thing for us to, to look to, to say that God is our portion, our career, our food, um, our, our family, our place to live. It's, it's God, He's the one who ultimately provides these things for us. And we, we seek Him. First, Some of this relates to simply being content with where we are in life. In Philippians 4, it says, Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned whatever in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Him who gives me strength. There's a, a contentment with life when we can say God is our portion. We, we, we trust in Him. Another passage that is relevant, here's a, a Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you as well. Our job is to, to seek God, to make Him our ultimate treasure and trust Him to provide in the process. I, and and I'll, I will never, ever be able to, th- to think of these two verses without thinking of, of a time where we were in, in great need. I'm not going to go through the, the whole story. I, I already punished my children with that this morning. Um, but with um, verses 5 and 6, God is, a, is our portion and, and my cup. In 2011, we were in the support raising process. And a very long story short, um, our situation meant that we had to go from Having a full-time job, um, end of 2010, full-time job benefits uh, to switching to a, a different organization, and January 1st, 2011, I still had a job. I just didn't have any money. All right, My, minor detail. Only then could we begin raising support. Only then could we even begin. It was, again, I would ha- it would take a while to explain why we got in that situation, but we. Um, saw what was unfolding in front of us, this was clearly what God wanted us to do. It was our our option to get um, back to to Malaysia, and that's what God put in front of us, and so we took that leap. And we had times in those coming months we did not know how we were going to pay bills the next month. Um, Yes, times I'm like, what the heck did I just do? And God would always do something to keep us going do something and eventually we got to a point where, where that wasn't the issue of you know, paying bills but boy, we were a long way to be able to have enough to get back to malaysia and going god what why why is it taking so long why why is there a delay and so i remember there was um a a week where i talked to jen and i said okay i've got this it was during the summer 2012 tons of opportunities to support in the fall i mean a lot of great opportunities and so um i told jen i said look this is is kind of frustrating there's plenty of reason for hope plenty of reason but i think it's gonna be bare minimum a year before we can get back and we'd already been gone long, so long it was depressing so the next week i was um on a trip i was in indonesia and i get an email of all places at and divinity school saying would you be willing to be an interim for a year yeah, I, th- I think I could do that, all right? Um, having said that, the temptation was to just latch on to security, right? And, and God made it really clear, no, that, that's not what I told you to do. Um, we, the whole process of job interviews would take months and that all that fall. I would be going to person after person after asking for money when I really was just hoping to get this other, I, I couldn't do it. So we gave it up. And it just went, moved on. Um, the guy uh, came in for an interview that December. By December, two things had happened. One, we were still at 60% for support. Everything, it came to literally nothing. Like it freakishly didn't work out, right? Um, and then I, I, my heart began to, to be there. Uh, problem, the, there's a guy coming in for an interview who I had recommended. Yes, he'd be awesome, y'all. And uh, long story short, they, they didn't hire him. I'm like, I'm in. Um, and God just He he, he did this thing where He asked me to trust Him and our stories don't always work out like this right? I'm just giving you my testimony He asked me to trust Him and He did something better than what I was asking Um, there was a lot of of uh, heartbreak in the midst of it or at least angst Our God is a God who can be trusted. Seven and eight. I bless the Lord He gives me counsel. In the night, my heart instructs me. I've set the Lord always before me, but because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Each each one of these verses starts with an action of David. Um, God's presence is real. It's there with us even when we don't recognize it. Um, But as Kevin talked about last week, we can cultivate practices to remind us that He's present. He mentioned Brother Lawrence and um, the suggestion that um, you know, every 60 seconds, remind yourself God is present. And I just want you to know I, I did that every 60 seconds all last week. No, I didn't. Um, but a reminder that He's present, this is something that, that we can do and we need to do. We need it. So Jen said it this way. It's not just a His comfort is not just a blanket promise that's going to cover us regardless. I mean, yes, it's there, but He is asking us, and He gives us, in fact, the strength to come to Him in those problems. We do have the power to make ourselves miserable and not go to God. Unfortunately, we we do have that. And so our job is to simply rest in in His power. 9 and 10... Therefore, my heart is glad. My whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. So there's no question that the psalmist meant that God is watching over him in this part in his life. This is certainly um, one aspect. Uh, Yes, what I'm going to get to later is that um, in Acts they say, hey, this points to Jesus. We'll read about that in a minute. Yes, it does. But it doesn't just point to Jesus. For generations they would have looked at this verse in in puzzlement. What does that mean? Um, So it was definitely something that reminded them of God's presence. He's not going to abandon you. No matter what your situation is. He's not going to abandon you. He's going to be with you but also it's cultivating this hope of life after death as well. And so by the time Jesus has come to the earth, he has been born, lived his life, died, rose again, ascended to heaven. And afterward, in Peter's sermon in Acts 2, he says this, starting in 23, this Jesus delivered up... For you will not abandon my soul to Hades. You will not let your Holy One see corruption. You've made known to me the paths of life. You will make, known, uh, make me full of gladness with your presence. And then he says, Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. Part of the logic here is, okay, we know what David said about not seeing corruption, but oh, he died. Like he was buried. You get that, right? It's kind of a bummer if that's the end of the story. If that's it, then that's only so much hope for us. right? But Jesus died and was resurrected to new life. And we have the promise by grace through faith in Jesus of that same exact thing, of the same thing. So that's the promise that's... In Jesus, this psalm is fulfilled, and it's by grace through faith in Him that we have eternal life. Oh, excuse me. It's this kind of faith that helps us to, to live for Him daily in the mundane things of life. Not everyone's called to something that um, others are going to want to read about, and that doesn't matter. We have joy through that. There, there are other people who've been called to do things that are fairly dramatic, and they also get their, their same inspiration from this. A, a couple of my favorite are Nate Saint and Jim Elliott, who uh, died in the 1950s. are missionaries called out to go, they wanted to go and reach the Waldani tribe, and really no one had had much um, contact with them, and they went there, and every, the thing is, people thought of this as, what a tragedy, bright young people went to these random people in the middle of Ecuador. And they tried to befriend them, and they got speared to death. Wow, what a tragedy. But it's not the end of the story. Yes, Nate Saint, Jim Elliott died. Um, His son Steve Saint wound up going back into the tribe with with, um, his um, aunt Rachel Saint. To the people that killed their loved ones. And they were able to reach them for Christ. Steve Saint grew up with the man who killed his father because that person had become a follower of Christ. Uh, They used to come to America America and and do tours and they they would share uh, this incredible testimony of what God did. And so there's a couple things that were, a couple quotes from both of them. Are really, the, the more well-known one is, is Jim Elliott. He is no fool who gives up what he can't keep to gain that which he can't lose. He is no fool who gives up what he can't keep to gain that which he can't lose. He saw uh, the, the eternal in, in this life. And so Nate saying his lesser-known quote, one we have in the Global Center of Easton, says this, I would rather die now than live a life of oblivious ease in so sick a world. I would rather die now than live a life of oblivious ease in so sick a world. I don't know what God's will is for you now and in the future, but I do know that if we choose God's path in His last um, section. You make known to me the path. Isn't it good that He makes it known to you? He makes it known to you the path of life. In your presence, there's fullness of joy that your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Eternal life is not just the next life. It starts here. It's quality of life, of following the Lord. And it doesn't look like people necessarily think the awesome ideal life looks like. He, he makes known the actual path of life, and there's joy through it. It's not easy, but there's joy through it, and the things that he has for us here do carry on for eternity. So the last thing I would say is that Jesus said a couple things about paths. One is that wide is the path that leads to destruction. Narrow is the road that leads to life. I often wish that weren't true. Jesus said it. I can't take it away. Wide is the path that leads to destruction. Narrow is the road that leads to life. You have all kinds of choices in front of you every single day. And we need the presence of God. We need the power of God to choose the path of life. The other thing Jesus said about a path, the, the word way, path, road, these, these are are Um, all basically the same thing throughout scripture. He said, I am the way, I am the road, the path. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. We are so glad you joined us today. If you would like to stay connected with us, visit our website at antiochbhm.com, where you can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. If you have any questions about today's message or would like to speak with someone about what was shared today, please email us at info at Go in peace.